This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, everyone. It is Bryce and Ren here, co-founders of Equity Mates Media, and we're here to announce our IPO. That's right. Equity Mates' initial party offering is here FinFest is coming. We're calling all bulls, bears, and party animals. The market's closed, the bar is open, and we're trading ideas at Australia's biggest investing festival. With expert speakers, special guests, DJs, and booze, it's an inspiring and empowering event for investors of any level of experience. So save the date, 15th of October, 2022. Head to equitymates.com slash FinFest to register your interest today. Equitymates FinFest is powered by Stake. Before we get into today's episode, we would like to acknowledge and pay respects to the Wondery people of the Kulin Nation, who are the traditional owners of this land. We pay our deepest respects for the elders, past and present, and to the next generation who we hope to create a different future for. The best career advice that you are not getting is to invest. Hello and welcome to Your In Good Company, a podcast that makes investing accessible for everyone. I'm Maddie, and as always, I'm in some very good company with my co-host, Sophie. Hello, Maddie. Always really good company. I agree. (laughs) Coming up on today's episode, we are chatting with the founder and CEO of the online florist, Daily Blooms, which I'm sure you've heard the name of before, and if not, go check it out, and how she turned $500 into $35 million in annual revenue. But before we do, if you're new to Your Own Good Company, first of all, welcome. We are so glad to have you with us. And second of all, we would love to point you to our summer series, six episodes making up six conversations that every millennial should have. These are short, sharp episodes, which will bring you up to speed with everything you need to know and feel confident to get started investing and join these conversations. Let's get into it, shall we? Courtney Ray is the CEO and founder of Daily Blooms, an online florist operating across Melbourne and Sydney. After making the move from finance to floristry in 2014 with just $500, Daily Blooms blossomed, couldn't help myself, to $35 million in revenue last year. Courtney is flower obsessed, sustainability focused, and late last year, she bought on an external investor in the business for the very first time. Here to share her wisdom, we are very excited to welcome Courtney to the show. Wow, thank you. That was quite the introduction. (laughs) (laughs) I sound amazing. (laughs) I loved the pun there, Mads. Thank you for that one. So, Courtney, what's the best thing that's happened to you this week? That is a really good question and it probably doesn't sound that exciting, but I just booked a little mini vacation for me and my two kids to go up to um, Queensland of all places, so maybe not the best timing, but um, I just thought we might escape for the long weekend and go to SeaWorld and do all those sort of fun things we haven't been able to do for a couple of years. But um, yeah, my, maybe my timing's not great, but I'm still really looking forward to it. And Courtney, if you could have dinner with anyone, who would it be and why? Um, it's a really good question and hard to limit it to one person. But I think where I got to is the Queen. You know, she's lived an incredible life, like a long life, and she's handled 
most things with a lot of grace and I just feel like there'd be a lot of interesting stories there. Courtney, are you a Crown fan? Oh, of course, totally. Yeah. So weirdly, I, I like really think Australia should be a republic, but I'm a massive Crown fan. Like it's like it's awesome. It's really cool. Yeah, it's just fascinating. And if you could be a stock or a company, who would you be and why? Another good question. What I think I would love is to be something that is not only commercial and profitable, but something that is like a social enterprise or something that gives back in a way. I caught up with a woman who you probably know, Abigail Forsyth, last week, and she runs Keep Cup. And I kind of kept coming back to Keep Cup because she's doing something incredible, changing um, consumer behavior, really working towards sustainability. And yet at the same time, she's running a kick-ass, profitable business, just doing awesome things. So... Does this mean there is a potential collab in the works? With uh, the no, Daily no. That, <laughs> oh my god, I would love that. I would absolutely that would be love great. that. <laughs> I would, I like die for that. That'd be so cool. No, there's no plans, but you know, watch this space. So, Courtney, I'm excited to hear because I listened to a podcast and you talked about how you came up with the idea for Daily Blooms on your honeymoon. Can you tell us a little bit more about this? Bit of a weird start to a business, I suppose. So I previously had been working in M&A and it was a good job. Like it was great, like great job. I'd worked at KPMG to start with, moved to in-house M&A and strategy at Orica. And as you girls probably know, it's a pretty um, hectic environment. The pressures are huge. The hours are huge, but it's interesting. So the things that you're working on are like big transformational things that are pretty interesting But I just knew in the pit of my stomach that it just wasn't something that I wanted to do for the rest of my life. It was a job and it was a great job, but it wasn't my passion. I wasn't jumping out of bed in the morning thinking, yay, I get to work on a deal today. (laughs) I just, yeah, like I just really kind of had this feeling for quite a long time that it wasn't what I wanted to do. And I'd always been really, really interested in floristry. So even at school as like a, like, you know, in year 10, when you have to choose what you want to do at uni, I really wanted to do floristry, but it was kind of between my parents and the teachers, they were like, "Mm, no, 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 let's, (laughs) let's do something a bit more grown up. And so I went and did com law and then through uni, I still wanted to be a florist. So I did all these little short courses. And then when I started work, I still kind of had this interest and I kept doing these little short courses. Granted, I didn't have um, many available hours in the day, but I still kind of made it work. Yeah, so I kind of always had this niggling feeling that I loved flowers, loved floristry, everything about it made me happy. And at the same time, the thought of standing or sitting in front of an Excel spreadsheet for the rest of my life just made my heart sink. And I think I was on my honeymoon. And the thing is, when you're working in m you don't necessarily have long extended periods of annual leave. And so you never really slow down and think about life or what you're doing or your career goals. And so it wasn't until I was on my honeymoon where I had like four weeks off that I just kind of had that time and that headspace to think, what am I doing? Like, I don't, I really don't want to go back to this corporate life. It's not what I sort of envisaged for myself when I was a little girl. And it's certainly like, it's, there's lots of amazing things about it, but it just wasn't um, 
getting me up and making me excited. So over the course of the honeymoon, um, my husband and I um, just started workshopping ideas about how I could actually make a living from floristry. I suppose I knew that the traditional, like I, I knew a few things about myself. I knew I couldn't work for somebody else. I couldn't just go into a retail shop and be a shop assistant for somebody else's business because it's just not the way I was wired. And I also knew that I personally didn't think starting a retail floristry shop was the best way to approach it. So I guess we spent the rest of the honeymoon just workshopping ideas and and trying to figure out how we could, how I could turn this sort of passion into an actual viable business. So I want to touch on that a little bit because you said that, you know, making a retail storefront for a florist, which you know, we do frequently still see, especially around the city. You've said that previously this kind of business model is fundamentally flawed. So what do you mean by this? Yeah, so um, I'm probably being a little bit harsh when I say that and and I have to put a big (laughs) disclaimer that I absolutely adore florist shop front stores and whenever I see one, I walk in. Even now to this day, I just like am obsessed. So that's totally harsh. So the, the trick, the tricky thing about floristry is you have to carry a huge amount of perishable inventory. There's almost no other business model like it where you have to carry, fill an entire store, merchandise a store so that it looks appealing and beautiful with stock that's going to live for, what, two to three days at best before you need to sell it. And to me, I just thought that's absolute madness that you have to spend thousands of dollars making your store look so appealing that people want to walk into it, knowing that if you don't sell those flowers in 48 hours, you're throwing stock out. And and what's more than that, you need to carry a huge range of stock so that it is interesting. But how do you know that Joe Blow on the street wants yellow roses? Or how do you know that Sally from around the corner is really into, I don't know, lilies? You don't. You've just got to take a punt that people will like what you buy and come in on a particular day looking for that particular flower. And I just thought that like the wastage involved, the inventory involved is just, I could not wrap my head around it. And then there's also the, I guess the secondary issue of having a shop front that you have to staff, um, for, I guess, extended periods of time, seven days a week, if you want to actually have a viable business. Um, and then the rents on, like, if you want, if you want to do well, you need to be on a high street or a, you know, some sort of busy inner city style high traffic area. And the rents for those places were astronomical. And I, and if you're starting out, you don't have huge amounts of disposable money that you want to burn on rent. So for me, it was really about solving the inventory problem. And then I guess the retail thing was pretty easy. I just knew it had to be online. So yeah, I guess, and and I guess that's how we kind of came up with the model. It, the the model was sort of workshopped on our honeymoon, and luckily enough, we actually went to San Francisco, and there was another girl in San Francisco doing a really similar business called Farm Girl Flowers. And as soon as I saw that business, it was like this light bulb moment because she totally solved the waste issue by um, doing what we what we still do today. So we bring in flowers from growers, we create bouquets. We don't give our customer choice. We just say, hey, we will find you the very best flowers from farmers from today. You're not going to have stock that's three days old that's been sitting in a shop window. You're going to have stock that we literally got at 5 a.m. this morning or 4 a.m. this morning. 
And if you like it, great. And if not, just wait till tomorrow because we'll do something different tomorrow. And I guess that concept totally alleviates the the need for carrying all these perishable lines, which removes the waste, which means that we can make our prices lower. We're on line so we don't have to have staff 24-7, paying huge amounts of rent. Yeah, that's, yeah. Does that answer your question? (laughs) It sure does. So, Courtney, we're coming out of two years of COVID, and I know that personally I use Daily Blooms, I think, at least once a month. I know the business sort of boomed over this period with everything online. So I guess looking forward now as we come out of this period, what are the biggest challenges that face the business going forward? There have been challenges in this business every single day since day dot. So sort of <laughs> picking picking the highlight reel might be tricky. But I think at the moment, it's a combination of um, maintaining that growth. So you're right, during COVID, um, online boomed and online gifting in particular absolutely went bananas. And so we were really lucky to be the beneficiaries of that. Um, and so for me now, it's making sure that we're not, we're not going backwards. We're always moving forwards, always growing, growing our product offering, growing our revenue, growing our earnings. So that is kind of, I guess that's like 90% of my focus right now. The other thing is probably staffing. So as you guys know, as everyone really, as everyone kind of knows at this point, finding staff at the moment, good staff, quality staff that are experienced in the field is a bit tricky. We recently relaunched our Sydney warehouse in um, January, and I think just building out the team has been more difficult than I imagined. So, yeah, finding finding great, amazing, talented florists. Shout out to any florists listening. <laughs> I was laughing at your point that um, business was booming over COVID because my housemate, it was her birthday in like one of the lockdowns and she got sent so many flower bouquets, obviously from online services like yours. And she said, she was like, this is the best birthday ever because no one else has anything to do other than to think, oh, it's someone's birthday. I'm going to send them some flowers. You know what? It was so, it was so nice during lockdown because it was sort of I feel like we really got to see the best of humanity. So people were sending flowers for all of for all of those times where you might normally catch up with somebody for a coffee or a cocktail or you go out for dinner or you go for a walk around the town. So Instead of doing that, people were sending flowers and sending their beautiful heartfelt messages. And it was just it was gorgeous. It was um like it was actually really special to see that during such a horrible time and such a hard time for so many people, there was so much love and so much friendship and so much kindness kind of going around. So we also talk about, you know, in this podcast, obviously about investing and looking at businesses in the future. And we think that e-commerce is obviously a very competitive space right now with a lot of companies moving online in such a competitive space. Where do you think the business will be five years from now? And how do you think the landscape of e-commerce is changing? Yeah. Um, For me, um, so I love what I do. Like I love Daily Blooms. I have two proper children, real life children, and Daily Blooms is like my third baby. Like I love it. So for me, I just want to keep doing what we're doing, but continue to elevate it, um, bring on better, more exciting, interesting, curated products to enhance our gifting range. I want to keep, I guess, elevating our bouquet offering and what we're doing with flowers. Um, so I guess the the sort of 
summary of what I want to do is to keep doing the same, but just make it better. So in five years time, I want Daily Blooms to be synonymous with being an, the place to go for online gifting. So if you have an occasion that you need to buy somebody a gift, um, I want you to just straight away think I'm going to jump on Daily Blooms because I know they'll have exactly what I want, um, that I know that whoever I give it to will feel special and feel like um, we've really thought about something that's right for them, something that's curated and um, I guess unique and special and uh, yeah, I just, I just really want Daily Blooms to keep doing what we're doing, but keep getting better at it and, um, yeah, elevating the offering. I love that. We are going to take a quick break for our sponsors, but we'll be right back to chat more money mindset and investing with Courtney. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. So, Courtney, you mentioned that you transitioned from a consultant role in M&A with, I'm sure, you know, a very stable salary to starting your own business. Can you talk us through, I guess, this money mindset shift? You know, did you set goals because you didn't know when income was going to come in? Did you live off two-minute noodles or did you carefully plan your cash flow? Yes to all of them except for two-minute noodles. I um, love food too much for that. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I suppose I um, was in a very fortunate position where I'd had um, a great career where I was quite comfortable, I suppose, and I wasn't living sort of – paycheck to paycheck or hand to mouth. So I was sort of, I guess, able to take more of a risk by leaving my job. Um, But in saying that, I didn't, everything I did was a very small risk. Like I didn't, um, so I think I mentioned, I didn't go out and lease an expensive storefront. I literally worked in a storage shed, which was so depressing. Like I think back to it and sometimes I laugh and sometimes I just want to cry because it was so bleak and dismal. But the point of it was, is I needed a space to work. I didn't want to sign up for a one-year lease or warehousing, you don't actually sign up to a one-year lease. You sign up to like a three by five or a, you know, best case scenario, it's a two by three. And I didn't want to sign up for years because I didn't know, I didn't want to bet the whole house on this business idea that I had. So um, all the risks, all the, I guess, risks that I took in starting the business were really, really small. And if I lost, I was losing a little bit. I wasn't losing losing the farm. So I um, rented a place in a storage shed and it was literally a month by month 
rental. So if it turned out that the business after three months, if the business was just not going anywhere, I couldn't see a future, fine. I just walk away. I'm not there trapped in some sort of arduous lease. In terms of the actual business, Flowers is a pretty it's a pretty capital light business to start. So I took myself off to the flower markets. I just had my regular car. I had some buckets. I just filled them up with flowers and would go back home, go back to my storage shed. I built the website myself, which I'm not saying it was a great website. In fact, it was, it was a shocking website and I wouldn't necessarily, I think if you are going to invest money, invest it in a good website. I didn't do that. I learned the hard way, but I still, I built it myself. I had I honestly had like my old laptop and a printer and a little desk from Ikea. Like it was just, I really didn't go big on the gamble. The gamble to me was quitting my job and seeing if I could actually make something work. And after a period of time when things did, I could see a bit of positive momentum. I could see that, you know, perhaps this business was going to last more than three months. And honestly, back in those days, I really only thought about it. I thought, I'm going to try this for three months. If it works, I'll try it for another three months and just see how I go. And so after, I guess, I don't know, a month and a half or two months and I could see that it was working, I would make other little small, I guess, investments in the business. Like I'd do a little bit of, I'd use the cash flow that I'd, that I'd, any cash that I'd made to put back into the business. So put into marketing, put into PR. I hired a staff member, but I hired a staff, like I hired people on a casual basis initially knowing that if it didn't work out, there wasn't a huge amount of liability and debt that I owed people. So yeah, everything I did to start with was really about just taking small, really manageable risks. So I guess on that topic, I read somewhere, and you see this a lot with startups, this word that you bootstrapped the business from the very beginning. Can you give us a little bit of insight into what that actually means? Look, from what I understand, bootstrapping is just starting a business without taking on external investment. So doing everything kind of with whatever money that you start with, whatever money you've put in with that and whatever money you personally might put in along the way, but then really using the proceeds and the money generated from the business to grow it, um, which is what I've always done. Even even now I've taken on an investor, but um, we're still entirely bootstrapped. Um, so any money we earn through conducting business, um, not any money, but like to this day, I will always be reinvesting the funds into the business to help grow it. Um, and I think it's, for me, I don't know how to run a business any other way because I've never had huge piles of cash flowing into the business from VC funds. But um, I think it just makes you really mindful of every single decision that you make. So every decision I make, I have to think, is this going to push the business forward Or is this a bit risky? And if it's a bit risky, is there a smaller way I can start? Like, can I test it in a smaller way? Basically, every decision I make these days is about how much money do I have and um, how much can I afford to put in the business and how much can I afford to risk or test or experiment? Well, it sounds like you are really good with your money because you are taking very small and calculated risks, which I really feel like reflects investing in the stock market as well because it's about taking risk obviously because you know you're not holding things in cash but it's a calculated risk because you're not going to go be putting all your money into like hundreds of thousands of dollars not that I have that into tiny little investments (laughs) you're taking those calculated risks so I'm seeing a bit of a parallel here (laughs) yeah no I think that's right like I think 
you know, anyone who just, it's like if people who go to the casino and say, I'll bet the whole thing on red, like that's great. But what happens if it's not red? What happens if it's black? And then, you know, you're starting from square one. So I think, um, I don't know why I'm using a casino analogy because I know nothing about gambling. So that's a really weird thing for me to say. But um, yeah, I think, you know, like you've got to try new things all the time. And I guess like in life or in business, you've always got to be testing new things. And some things are going to work and some things aren't going to work. And you're not going to know unless you give it a go. But you don't want to, you don't want to bet everything on something that might not work. So on that topic then, when you're making investment decisions and you are sort of, you know, using your own money and trying to grow the business, how do you really assess opportunities and what have been some of the factors that have either led to a really good decision or maybe a not so good decision? I think for me, it's, it's sort of changed in, it's, it's changed as the business has grown. So I think initially where it was really just me in that tiny, depressing, bleak storage shed I was just, I didn't know anything about retail or online retail or gifting. Like I really just had no idea. So for me, it was about um, just throwing everything against a wall and seeing what stuck. So, um, and I could do it in a really like, people seem to think you need some sort of big marketing budget or some sort of big team to try things. You actually don't. Like you've just got to be a bit tenacious and um, kind of maybe a little bit annoying and just ask a whole heap of favors and um, just try a bunch of stuff. And out of 20 things that you might try, you might get two things that seem to work. And so from those two things, I double down on them or triple down on them. And then after a while you might think, hey, those things aren't giving me the, the return that they once were at the start. Let's bring in some new things and try those. And that's kind of how I've done, that's kind of what I've done with the business from day dot the bigger the business has um, gotten, um, I guess it's harder to throw a million things against a wall and see what sticks. Um, we still do that a bit, but these days um, we, we try and be a bit more thoughtful and considered about it. Um, we, I guess these days I'm very fortunate that I've got a team and we will throw up a heap of ideas on a board and workshop them internally before Courtney just goes a bit mad and just starts (laughs) rolling these things out. And the thing is with time, like the business has been around for eight years now. So I've kind of got a bit of a sense what has worked in the past, what hasn't worked in the past. um, What am I willing to take, spend a bit of money on? What do I think will generate a return on investment? Whereas what do I think will be a bit of a gamble? And so, yeah, so these days, instead of, I guess, being a bit haphazard and just trying everything, we'll be a bit more considered. We'll have a leadership team that's involved and we'll kind of do a whole bunch of planning before we ever spend a dollar. But yeah, we still just kind of try a bunch of stuff and some some stuff works and some stuff doesn't. It seems like as well that the difference between the early days and now is that you now have a team around you. And I think when you do have a lot of people's like perspectives and thoughts, it helps in making a good investment compared to making a bad investment because you're not on your own and you have more perspective. Absolutely. I think that's entirely right. And I have people who are really, who are like I think I mentioned before, I had no idea about anything. So I just had to try everything. Whereas now I have this amazing team who are experts in their field. So whether it's marketing or um, partnerships or whatever it is, that this is what they actually do for a living and this is what they've trained in. So they, yeah, they're 
their advice and guidance is incredibly useful. And you've recently just brought on an external investor for the first time, which is very exciting. Can you talk us through this decision a little bit and why now? So I'd actually never really thought about bringing on an external investor. Well, that's a lie. It had been in the back of my head that one day maybe I'll exit from the business or maybe I'll bring on somebody who can um, transform us and make us national or global or whatever it is. Um, But I suppose it had always just been something very much in the background and not something that I'd ever considered. And then I crossed paths with Adir. We sort of caught up over, I guess, the better part of a year before anything ever happened. Um, And we just hit it off. He has a lot of experience in D2C businesses or business in general. And we just kind of had a great relationship and he wanted to invest. And I thought, you know what, I could use, it's sort of, the business was at the right point as well. Like we were growing fast and it was far bigger than I guess I ever envisaged it would be. And I sort of realized having more heads growing the business rather than just me was um, going to be really advantageous and I guess put us in a position where we could make some really big decisions or some big moves um, going forward. And um, yeah, I think it was just a combination of the right person at the right time in the business and the right time for me personally. I guess the stars aligned and um, yeah, so we brought I brought on an investor and that was, um, when was that? That was September. We officially signed documents, I think it was September last year. So it's still pretty new, still pretty new, but um, yeah, so far so good. For those who don't know, because Adir Schiffman is actually quite a well-regarded investor. Can you give us some insight into like some of the other companies that he has invested in? He's got a few things that he's really well known for, but um, I guess the big one is Catapult, which is a SaaS business um, and it's a sports software technology business. Um, And I think he got involved with those guys um, or Sean in the early days. I think the business at the time was maybe doing, I'll probably get this wrong, so I'm sorry to Sean and I'm sorry to Adir, but I think the business was doing maybe five mil in revenue at the time. Adir got involved and I guess he and Sean, along with um, a bunch of other clever people, uh, grew the business into the enormous thing that it is now. I think, look, I can't, I can't, I, I'm not even sure what their revenue is. I think it's circa 100 mil, maybe more. It's listed on the ASX and it's global and they've got some of the biggest sporting leagues, I guess, in the world using their technology. He also, I guess, invested in another business called Sleeping Duck, which is a D2C mattress business that, again, it's a similar story, invested in it when it was doing like two mil of rev and that's grown into an absolute Goliath doing, I don't know, 50, 60. I've I've got no idea what it does, but it's big. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and, And I think that's what he does. Like his skill is kind of in finding businesses that have a lot of growth potential and then really accelerating that growth potential, which I guess was exciting for me and kind of felt well-timed. I have to ask because it would be remiss of us not to given we are an investing podcast. Is there ever going to be an IPO on the cards for Daily Blooms? Because that is one that I would love to invest in. Oh my God. Oh my God. Don't (laughs) even say that out loud because I know it is... If he ever listens to this, and I really hope he doesn't after that intro I gave him before, if he ever hears that, he will be like, yes. 
Meanwhile, <laughs> Courtney, you, you know what they're like from your time in M&A and you don't want to get involved. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know. The thought of it is actually horrifying to me. But I don't know. I don't know. Watch this space. <laughs> well, you've led us nicely then. Watch this space into our watch list. <laughs> what a so, Courtney, <laughs> each episode we ask our guests to add a stock company, news trend, industry, anything that tickles your fancy to our watch list. And the purpose of this is to get us thinking outside our box and broaden our horizons in the investing space. We are not financial advisors. This is purely educational purposes and does not constitute any investment advice. But what are you adding to our watch list today? Um, So I'm a massive dork, uh, in case you hadn't picked that up already. Um, So the things that I listen to and read are kind of, maybe they're actually well suited to your audience. So um, I love the FT, the Financial Times. I think it's like- I love. Best paper. Um, I listen to um, the Economist podcast and they do like a weekly update on, um, I guess, just like their editor's pick of what's a great story and what's relevant. Um, and I also listen to The Daily. Another kind they of are three style. of both Sophie yeah. and I, my favorite resources. So there you go. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> Courtney, before we get to our final question, is there anything that you would like to plug or if anyone wants to learn more about you, where should they head? What can they do? Uh, so I guess I'll plug my business. So dailyblooms.com.au. Um, you can find us on um, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. Um, I think we very nearly have a TikTok account, although I'm not even on TikTok, so not sure not sure how to find us. Um, probably should rectify that. I've just found it on TikTok. It's at Daily Blooms AU. So there you go. Looks like there's some great posts on there. <laughs> Get on TikTok. Oh, God. Don't. It's a dark hole. I would actually not recommend. <laughs> And Courtney, our final question, what piece of advice would you give to someone wanting to start their investment into their own business? It's probably sounds super basic and cliched, but just do it. You're never going to know what you don't know or what you need to know until you've started. And you can just, you know, make small changes and iterate as it goes along. So just start. Well, Courtney, thank you so much for joining us today. It has been an absolute pleasure having you on. So for now, we're very excited about this episode as two big users of Daily Blooms ourselves. So thank you very much for your time. Thank you. It's been wonderful. Thank you so much, girls. I feel inspired to go and buy some flowers now. Brighten up my room. I know. I just love Daily Blooms. There is something so awesome about that same day delivery. All of the flowers I have ever ordered or got from there are just beautiful. They always last ages as well. So I would just highly recommend. Are you plugging? Like, (laughs) yes, I absolutely am. Courtney was just such a joy. So I will definitely go to my grave with this one. But if you enjoyed today's episode, we would love for you to rate and review wherever you're listening to this podcast. And please feel free to join us on any of our social media platforms. We have Instagram, YRGC podcast. That is also the same tag for TikTok and our Facebook community group, YIGC Investing Podcast Discussion Group. We love chatting with you guys. The ASX game has started now, so make sure you jump onto that and get involved. There are lots of different prizes. And if you are up to date with your YIGC listening, then the Equitymates Media Network has lots more to offer. We have got Equitymates, we have got Get Started Investing, Comedian V Economist, Crypto Curious, and Talk Money to Me. So there is lots of content to keep you going. The list goes 
goes on. (laughs) It does. Lots of exciting content for you to check out. But otherwise, we will catch you next week. Goodbye. You're in good company is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal or tax advice. The hosts of You're In Good Company are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Your In Good Company acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.